My name is Christopher Farai Charamba, and you're listening to a podcast brought to you by Capital 263. It all started with the bond coin. December 2014, the Reserve Bank of Zimbabwe issued them into the market. They said it was in response to a shortage of small change in the multi-currency system. Then came the bond note. In 2016, the paper version came following USD shortages. One is to one, Gejge, was their tagline. The bond note and the US dollar was the same, they claimed. For over two years, the RBZ held on to this fiction, but their fantasy could not last forever. During last week's monetary policy statement, the RBZ abandoned their position. Now we have the RTGS dollar. So here with me to discuss this and more on the MPS, I have wealth specialist Michalina Chindia and Sean Vereri, a financial analyst. This is Politics and Beyond. So Sean, Mikey, talking about the MPS, what exactly is a monetary policy? Okay, so basically a monetary policy is the macroeconomic policy that's laid out by the central bank of a country, in this case, the RBZ. And it pretty much involves the management of um, money supply and interest rates. And is the economic side of is the demand side of economic policy used by the government of a country to achieve its macroeconomic goals. For example, liquidity, um, inflation, consumption, and growth. Um, and usually the monetary policy takes about one to two years to actually take effect on economic output after implementation. Why was it so important? Like the, the whole thing last week was, you know, everyone was waiting for it and there was all, all this talk about, you know, the MPS and what it's going to do. I think, um, you know, from the outset, as everyone would know that um, leading up to the monetary policy this year, we had a lot of huge monetary um, sort of swings in the environment. And then inflation soaring to a, an incredible high of 42% year on year, uh, which we saw at the beginning of the year. And I think those, um, those events that we saw leading up to that might have increased the interest that people had on the monetary policy because a lot of decision making was hinged off of what was going to be pronounced by by um, uh, the Reserve Bank and the Governor, uh, Governor Mangujga. But, you know, after the presentation of the, of the monetary policy, it almost begs the question to ask, was this Mangujga's monetary policy or was it Mtuli Ngube's? Because it, it, it sounded and it rang a lot like a lot of what Mtuli Ngube was saying had to be done. But shouldn't, surely, surely they go hand in hand. Well, you know, the finance minister and the, and the governor must work together. The central um, bank is supposed to run independent of... But the fiscal policy and the monetary policy do have to be somewhat in sync for it to be, for both of them to be comprehensive and successful, don't you think? Oh, certainly. They can't really contradict each other. And I think that they, they, they are a lot closer in sync than they might have initially come out to be. Remember the monetary policy was delayed? Yeah. yeah. Um, there were yeah. rumors of what was going to come before and maybe there was a bit of um, consulting. So, so, okay, so before we go further, what do you think would have been in... Um, Mangujka's monetary policy, or what do you think he did differently that he wouldn't have wanted to do? And I would hate to speculate on that. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, but you're the one but, who brought but, it up. I, I, I do think that um, I, I do think that there was more of a this was more of a market um, a market driven policy rather than what I think we would have seen from from Mangujka initially. I think from what initially was being speculated, because we don't really know if all those rumors were true. But initially, from what was being speculated to be coming out, I don't think we would have seen as bold a, a policy as we did. You think it was bold? I do. Yes. All right. 
You differ? I felt like it was a bit lackluster. It's not very comprehensive of everything that needed to be addressed. There are a lot of um, areas in which it lacks. Okay, let's get into it then. So what we got was a new currency, right? RTGS My dollar. Well, you could say currency. that. So what is it, guys? Because <laughs> everyone's... The thing I mean, is, I mean, if, the, everyone, we, if we moved, we, we were at 1 is to 1 GHK. We're no longer at 1 is to 1 GHK, right? The RTGS trades for the US dollar, right? Yeah. So <clears throat> it is a currency of some sort. So if you look at it, what Mangujiga said at his... Um, there was that breakfast meeting they had where he stated that, you know, when your money is, is, is in your account, it is, it's still one-to-one. It only changes its value when you're trying to exchange it into, 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 into a US dollar, into your FCA. So that makes so no sense. No, but then the, the it doesn't hold the same value as it does because the cost of goods and services has gone up, hasn't it? So you're basically saying it's the same, but it doesn't have the same buying power. So no, also, definitely not, no. So then it's, it's its own independent currency. I just think it, was, it wasn't wise of them to embark on, on currency reform when they don't have... The, the fundamentals in place to actually back up that currency. For example, we don't have macroeconomic stability. We don't have enough foreign currency reserves in place to back up the currency. Our capital account balance is, is really low. And there's not enough market confidence in the first place. So I think it was, it was really lacking in, in that sense because how can you introduce a currency that really has no backing whatsoever besides a rate that you have pegged yourself based on your opinion? Um, again, I, I agree with you fully. There is, I mean, we don't have reserves. We have poor, poor. There is a massive trust deficit in the market. Yeah. And I guess if, if you're going to introduce any new currency, that is the one thing that has to be key. Trust is, it's almost center in all of it, right? Transparency. But also we were in an environment that we couldn't carry on operating in. Businesses weren't able to price effectively. The value was being lost by exporters who were not getting the real value in RTGS that they want, that they should be receiving. At least now with this um, foreign, with this, with this foreign mark, with this foreign exchange, sorry. Yeah. When exporters receive the RTGS portion of their export proceeds, it will be at the rated market value. So at least they're getting a more fair, I'm not going to say a fair value of what they mm -hmm. should be getting, but it's a, it's, a, it's a lot more fair than what they were getting before. And I think they're going to be able to to, to get a lot more from that. But I feel like this can only last for so long. This is, we're just starting off, right? It's at 2.5. But the thing is, like I said, not everything is in sync. You're, for example, let's say they're cutting down on government expenditure, right? That's the fiscal policy that's, that's helping the rates stay low. But at the same time, you've increased the prices of fuel. So that's, that's inflationary but, in itself because the, that's going to force the cost of goods and services. Like everything gets affected by that, right? Increase and then, uh, in the cost of fuel because fuel was actually priced so low. So with one is to one gauge, get a dollar thirty-two or whatever it was. That wasn't the real <clears throat> price of fuel. And that so means the price of fuel now is also not the real price of fuel because that was on the basis of one is to one because three dollar thirty-one was supposedly at the rate of one is to one, right? Yeah. And now they've acknowledged that it's actually not, they're not paying it at 2.5. I mean, yeah, that was the first indicator that, you know, that it's gone. Now fuel has gone back to that one is $1.32 price, essentially, can depending I, on where you're getting your US dollars. Can I make a point on, um, on, on the fiscal policy and how it's matching up with the monetary policy? I think the one thing that they've done really well, I mean, I'm, I'm going to say in my opinion, they've done All really right. well, is, um, 
sort of trying to get that fiscal side of things a bit more stable than, the order, than what it was before, right? Yeah, it's commendable. You, you, you narrow down that deficit. Also, what you're doing by increasing the amount of taxes you're collecting, firstly from that 2% tax, and then from those massive um, duties that we're now paying on fuel, you're limiting liquidity in people's pockets, right? Because um, demand elasticity of fuel is, 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 is it's a relatively inelastic thing. We need to get yeah. to work. Yeah. Business needs to operate. Yeah. <clears throat> So if you, bring, if you increase your collections on one of the biggest things that we consume, right, you are actually also slowly depleting our liquidity in the RTGS system, which is something we need to do. We had a bloated RTGS balance. Mm -hmm. There was way too many deposits in there. And then now if you're bringing that down and you're creating an environment where we can now start trading foreign currency on a formal market, you're bringing down the demand, allowing for supply to be able to settle on a, a formal market, which we hopefully, when it's fully mechanized, will be transparent, will be available to all, and will be able to actually be a basis that we can use to find price, to offer valuations on, on local companies, on local investments. That, for me, is a positive thing. And that's what I think they did well in terms of matching up this monetary policy with what had already been set up with um, the fiscal policy and with some but, of those measures that they put in, like those huge taxes on fuel. They have other negative implications, without a doubt. There's massive negative implications there, but I think, you know, we are never going to be able to address all the problems at once. I think this is, for me, a, a step in the right direction, so long as they are able to actually implement it properly. And that is where the trust deficit comes through, because I don't think anyone is fully confident that... Um, Currently, we are in an environment where we can say, okay, now I fully trust that the Reserve Bank will be disciplined enough to execute this. I fully trust that on the expenditure side, um, there isn't going to be another big spending spree and issuance of TBs that is just going to pull everything out of whack. I think that's where the major thing is, because for the past however many years, um, that's what we've experienced. Yeah, so you're basically saying that we can't trust our government, which... Um, or, our, well, no, 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 but our government has a, a trust issue. Yes. I mean, right now, people, people lost value. Yes. You know, they, by whatever factor it is, a factor of 2.5 or 4, your, your money isn't what it was. And yes, people will say, oh, but, you know, people are trading on the black market anyway, so you, you recognize that your money, your RTGS or your bonds weren't worth the U.S. dollar. But now it's official that this is what's happened. And it's happened to assets. It's happened to, you know, to whatever balances you had in whatever accounts that you've had. And, and, and so how do people move from, from, from here? You know, in sense of um, you, you're now looking at a situation where get, who can access money from the, from the money market, actually? Probably that's, where, that's a good place to start. Like, who can access the U.S. dollars? Is it me, myself, just walking in and saying, hey, I've got $10,000 in RTGS and I need U.S. dollars? Like, can I just walk into the bank and get it? Because I actually... I'm sorry. No, it's fine. Yeah. Um, I, I, think the, the, I think the main thing is it's geared towards exporters, right? Because exporters are the ones... And, and also, you know, consumers... What about the ordinary person? No, I mean, consumers of... I mean, I mean corporate consumers and of, 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 of imported goods that we actually need, right? For the, for the ordinary person, if, if you read through the statement, it, it, it said that um, all um, things traded on that exchange through the banks have to be matched with invoices, right? So it's not really like you can go to the bank and say, listen, guys, I've got 100,000 RTGS dollars in, the, in, in my RTGS account. I want to try and get X amount of US dollars in my nostrils so I can go and I can buy 
a brand new car or I can do whatever. That's you actually great. can't justify yeah. that. You have to then go to Bureau That's de Charge. But it has a limit of 10,000 a day. So that limits how much I could get because what it, they, they didn't specify a limit on how much an individual can get. So what if you come and decide to get $10,000? That's it for the day. I can't get money as an individual. Right, and they say tomorrow you even beat me to it again. And even if there, if we were allowed, there were limits on how much we could take out, it still wouldn't be sufficient because, like you said, what if you want to buy a car and that's twenty thousand? That means I have to get five hundred dollars a day every day for the next couple of weeks or months. It's like they haven't really taken us into consideration because I can't just go to my bank and say I want to buy money on the market. I have to justify that. Yeah, no, we we still have foreign currency constraints. So now this is so, definitely going to keep the black market alive. The black market will stay alive because there are still going to be people who are also going to, going to trade outside of that formal system. Because if you saw what the, what, what the Reserve Bank uh, governor said, he said this is going to be monitored on a two-hourly basis yep. by the Reserve Bank. And then also there was strict monitoring on, 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 on all transactions that are going to take but place. Do you think they're going to implement that? Yeah, they, I mean, they should. Do they have the capacity to do that? I would believe that the Reserve Bank has the capacity to do that. And I think it's in their interest, in order to maintain stability, for them to be able to do that. Because if you do not do that, you will have the same nefarious characters that are externalizing money using the black market and using other um, sort of parallel markets to, 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 to get money out. Then just moving on to that formal system, and then they could actually hit the system quite badly and create liquidity constraints on it and create demand issues and really just put it all out of whack. Are people so going to be getting do, cash? They do need to, no, it's, it's going to be matching to your invoices, yeah. yeah. So, so you present your invoice and then it's paid through the bank? Exactly. So you're not actually taking physical cash out of the banks? No. But do you see that there's actually an arbitrage opportunity that could even result in the ordinary person being exploited? For example, if I fall into a category that qualifies to go and get money from the bank, I could go buy it at the rate of 2.5 right now, but I could still take it back to the black market, sell it for four, take that money, and still go back to the bank and buy some more US dollars. But at the same time, it's coming to the cost of the ordinary person who can only access it on the black market. But I think that's why you have that control of it being a... This is Zimbabwe. People could fake an invoice. I could say I'm buying medical equipment and have you then give me an invoice for $10,000 worth of equipment that I never actually did buy because they're not going to physically come and want to see it. They just want an invoice. I could claim to do that, but this whole time I'm just spinning my money through the system. And by actually having, like, it's basically like another three-tier system, what you get from the banks. You're, you're, actually, you're yeah. never going to eliminate, as I said, nefarious characters trying to take advantage of it. Of a, especially a new system, right? Mm -hmm. um, everyone, not everyone, but people are going to try and find a way to, to take it on, especially in an environment where there's been so much activity that's been happening illicitly over the right. past few years. Um, that's not going to stop overnight. It's just going to shift how they're doing it. So yes, there does have to be strong controls. I mean, he did mention quite strongly that there were going to be strong anti-money laundering and, and, and anti-financing of terrorism um, controls that we put in place, that they have to do that. That is, without a doubt, they have to do that. And again, that's where there's a lot of trust issues because I think the perception from the ordinary man on the street is that the criminals that are committing those nefarious uh, activities are actually the ones sitting in that tall building on Samora Michelle. I mean, the thing that, is... That's, if, where, that's if, where there's a if, bit of a trust issue. Yeah, I mean, if we, if we look at it, who are the biggest consumers of foreign currency? 
it's not it's government. yeah it's not it's not the ordinary man on the street right yeah. and so when when you start asking those questions it then definitely looks like this is all geared obviously to raise money for the government they have to pay salaries or whatever it is now they're paying them in rtgs but they have to buy fuel which they shouldn't it should go back to the market and things like that so it, it for the ordinary man they're not wrong in assuming that you know the government or the RBZ are the biggest players when they are because the biggest consumer of foreign currency is the government at the end of yes, the day. True. <clears throat> so now, so now again, it comes back to this issue of trust. Ka, of you can't simply sit there and say, oh well, yes, this is all great. We have a new currency. They floated it if they really have because they're trying to peg it at two point five. Yeah. Um, you know, is it really going to be a market-led um, you know system? Do you think that the market is actually going to determine the price of the, the, the value of the RTGS and the, and the US dollar? Well, hadn't they previously mentioned that it was basically the Reserve Bank that had agreed with commercial lenders on what the rate was going to be? And that it's constantly determined between them, and, like between Treasury and commercial lenders on a regular basis. That at the start of each day, they then, depending on what the markets had, had performed the previous day, they set it at that the next day. And if now, if it's, it's not really being said by, by the markets in essence, it's, it then comes down to opinion, it's subjective. I will say this, it should, if it's, if it's as, as, as they've written it down in their policy, it should be a demand and supply thing, right? That's what it should be. Yeah. Right? It should be a demand and supply thing because you say, right, we have $600 million in Nostro um, FCA accounts, right? We have... I mean, John Mungujga said, what, $1.8 billion worth of, 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 of um, funds that could yeah. actually chase that money. I, I think that figure is a lot higher than that, maybe closer to about $4 billion. Well, isn't the, isn't the what you call it at, at how many, um, the value of RTGS? It's isn't it what, 10, $10 billion. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think the figure of money that can actually chase those Nostra FCS yeah. is closer to 4 or $5 billion, right? Okay. But not all of that money is going to be chasing it at once because, you know, Sean with his $200 in his RTGS account isn't exactly going to be, I'm just going to want to spend my money in OK and you know, be able to swipe for this and be able to buy my airtime and swipe for my fuel. So I'm not really going to be looking for US dollars with every single penny that I have. So that's what's going to determine, that's what should rather, let me say that's not going to, because as you said, we don't actually know how this is actually going to be implemented, but that's what should determine what drives... Um, the rate on the day. But don't you think that the rate is eventually going to soar because demand for the dollar is high regardless and we don't have enough, you know, dollars to meet the supply? I think initially, which is what I... Which is I, why I think there's going to be hyperinflation and shortages what, what I, in the long run. What I think will happen initially, right, is also you're not going to take away a lot of the people trading on the black market. To this rate today, people are still trading in the black market mm -hmm. at a rate of 3.6. Yeah. So it'll be very difficult for those people to migrate onto the formal market where they're not buying it, at, as you said, at a rate that sorts. The rate is definitely going to start off a lot higher than 2.5, I think, when it starts moving properly. Mm -hmm. When you start seeing the proper mechanics of this thing, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the rate going close to where the black market rate is or maybe there and thereabouts, right? Yeah. But I do believe that as you start having more money coming onto that formal system and you get also a lot of exporters surrendering their US dollars as they have to. Remember, after 30 days, they're going to have to surrender the US dollars. They're going to, there's going to be a constant supply of US dollars coming onto that system. And we need to get, they need to do it right so that the confidence in the system works. Because at the moment, there might be low confidence. So yeah, they, 
if, if, if they do do it, why we say, if, what should happen? If the rate should spike off high initially, yeah. and I do think that towards the end, we should see it settling between 2.5 and 3.5 is what I would reckon would be a fair, especially if there's still a black market rate, which I think there still will be. And the black market rate, in my opinion, for certain people will have to undercut the formal market rate because I would need to ju be justified to go into the black market, or it will be at a premium where it's easier to access the forex on the black market. Yeah. So I think that's going to bring everything sort of into an equal, there's going to be like an, an like equal playing ground of sorts. And we are going to, I mean, we do generate a decent amount of exports. Guys, our US dollar receipts last year was $6 billion, right? We, had, we have a decent amount of, um, of, 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 foreign, of foreign currency. We do, but as we previously noted last year with the budget, it then comes down to government expenditure. Yeah and the fiscal policy, they can't seem to manage that. They spend more than what we actually make, and that's where the problem is, no but matter also, how much we generate. But also our imports as well. I mean, we... Our we imports we, are going up. Yeah, we're, we're, so we're exporting, but we're importing a lot more yeah. than we're actually, and I mean, I mean, than we're actually that, putting out. also down to fuel last year. Um, the, the, the impact that fuel had, especially on, you know, fuel started off the year. I mean, the oil price started off at the beginning of the year. At a, at a, at a, at a, at a what, 30, mid 30s mm. per barrel, and it ended up mid, in the, like towards the latter end of the year in Q4, it was close to 80. There were even rumors of it hitting $100 per barrel. Uh, that is going to have a direct impact on us because we are, <laughs> we don't produce any fuel, and that's one of our biggest imports, and that's one of the things that would have pushed that import. And there was also, as you said, arbitrage opportunities that were happening. <laughs> and there were arbitrage opportunities. Yeah that also came about because fuel was subsidized effectively because one-to-one. -one. Mm. Um, so hopefully now that all of that has been corrected, we might see that coming off a bit. There are still leakages. That is the biggest problem that we have, in my opinion, are leakages. Because with $6 billion worth of Forex receipts every year, we should be able to meet all our you know, foreign currency obligations. So you mentioned something about, you know, exporters having to um, spend their foreign currency within 30 days or it has to go back onto, onto the market. Now, what is the likelihood of this actually happening? Because who really wants this RTGS you know, dollar? If I have you know, $100,000 or in US dollars, and I know that within 30 days I either have to spend it or I, it goes back onto the market, surely I'm going to try to look for an asset that I can put, you know, buy and store the wealth rather than actually putting this money on, back onto the market. So what's the likelihood of, this, of money actually going to be circulating into, in the system? I mean, if you look at it, uh, how often will you be able to... If, if, if you invoice exports every, every week, right? You can't spend... You can't be buying something every week. At some point, mm -hmm. you are going to have to surrender that money. I think that surrendering the money so long as the system is liquid enough for you to then be able to go back onto the market to meet your, your obligations, be them if it's to pay off dividends to foreign investors, pay off your loans, to buy raw materials, to buy capital equipment. And so long as the rate is shown a bit of stability, I think initially uh, there is going to be a bit of um, pain felt by exporters in that regard. But hopefully as this goes further and there is a bit of stability and there is a bit of confidence that's growing in the market, um, and there are, and there is liquidity available to be able to purchase that foreign currency. Um, if, if you know, if I have to surrender my foreign currency at a rate of 3.5, and I get that 3.5 in my RTGS accounts, and you know, what, you can use that money to settle off your your wage bills, your utilities bills, your your local expenses. 
And then when you need to now purchase foreign currency to buy capital equipment or to, to repatriate dividends or whatever, you can, use that, you can use that facility to then go and buy on the market. That's the way that it's been obviously put forward to us, right? Yeah. And that's the way it should work. Whether or not it will is, a, is another story. But hopefully, you know, fingers crossed, that is what happens. I mean, it's, yeah. it's what we have. Do you know what the repercussions are if you don't? Because I'm thinking, what's stopping people from just not going to the bank and reporting this money this month? How would, who's going to then come up to them and then approach them and say, you haven't bought your money back? It's a good question. Because, I'm sure it'll be regulated somehow. Yeah, because I, I'm wondering if they even have the, the monitoring capacity to actually keep up with every transaction that occurs on a daily basis. Because I feel like there are a lot of things that are going to slip through the cracks. Well, isn't this yeah. why they're saying that yeah. they, everyone's supposed to report every two, two hours, hours what's happening you know, in this interbank system and stuff like that? Yes, the banks are poor, but imagine the amount of transactions that happen, okay, even in that hour. How are they going to keep up with literally going through everything? By the time the hour has passed, you're maybe like two hours behind, still trying to follow up one transaction that was, that was suspicious or that didn't make sense. And then how am I even going to get the time to notice that, oh, Sean didn't come and report this month, while I'm still trying to keep up with everything that's, that's going on? You know, and, and she makes a very good point in that because... I mean, also... It just sounds good on paper. The, the monitoring of your decisions where people are transacting small figures, it's going to be very difficult to actually monitor exactly what goes on. And even, um, yeah, I mean, as she's brought up earlier about fake invoices, um, I mean, it's going to be difficult to, 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 to control all of that. But I have a, my, my biggest issue that I think I had with this, um, uh, with, 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 this, with the monetary policy statement as it was before to us was that, and if I read through it um, uh, again and again, I kept on seeing that, you know, they admitted that there was not enough forex capacity currently to be able to actually meet the demand of the market. And lines of credit has been raised with foreign, with foreign partners to, to, fund, uh, to fund this initial, initial um, sort of uh, exchange of them, to, to, to fund liquidity on that market. So I'm thinking if I, and the, the, the requirements to open up a bureau chance, for instance, they're quite low, they're not very strict. So, if I just want to go and open up my bureau de charge, does that mean that the Reserve Bank is actually going to give me access to the initial capital at the rate to be able to then start transacting? Chances because, are they're not. Because if they're, if they're not, where's that money going to come from? And I think that's a question that a lot of people have. Because that they're going to raid FCAs. And that's where there's that trust <laughs> issue, which we always have a worry about coming from. Um, so yes, that's an issue, and another issue that I think is, 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 is going to be quite um, important for them to look at is the, the bank capital um, requirements, right? It was 100 million US dollars before, right? If you've now admitted that um, there is now a rate, surely that capital requirement for the banks has to be adjusted, because then are the banks are sufficiently capitalized to protect deposited funds and to protect, um, well, to protect the entire economy at all. Yep. Because at $100 million right now, if you say that the rate settles at about 3.5 or whatever, that brings down the capital requirement, requirement yeah. down to yeah. like below $30 million. Yeah. And that's nowhere near enough um, for, a, for, a for a commercial bank. bank. Especially in a volatile and, and you know, that's why I think it's not comprehensive. So, so, so in that regard, I think we do need to get a lot more clear communication from the Reserve Bank on how different stakeholders are going to be affected and how we can expect to be able to 
to, to, to operationally implement these um, for yourself as a, as a business, as an individual, um, how those things can be implemented. Not just, you know, give us the policy and tell guys, you know, it's great. It looks great, right? But also give us the mechanisms of it. So I guess fine question, how do people protect themselves? So one of the things that they didn't talk about in the MPS was interest rates, right? And you said interest rates are some of the things that are part of the monetary policy. You said that when you were defining monetary policy. Um, and people aren't going to bank. Our banking sector, there's low confidence in the banking sector right now. Um, I'm not putting my US dollars there. Um, you know, I, they're safe under my bed is what I think. Um, and I know people think like that. So what, does the, what do the banks have to do to inspire this confidence? Like how do we get more people in the banking sector and get more money circulating in these spaces? Banks are in trouble, basically. But I think um, if you lent money last year, uh, you were officially lending it a one-to-one. -one. So what you're getting back now is going to be a lot less than what you would have lent out. And then also above that, um, the interest rates that people are receiving on, on instruments such as like treasury bills, for instance, that's now well below inflation. So if you're getting six, seven, eight percent on a TB, um, and inflation was forty-two point zero nine percent, you've lost money. You're, 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 you're getting negative returns. So I think the banks and and, and lending institutions and, and all that they're in a bit of trouble. But um, also, it's 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 something that I guess we were always going to experience. Um, and another issue that I have, sorry, about liquidity, about the, the money that's going to be hunting for US dollars, there's a lot of treasury bills that are uh, maturing this year and next year. There is a lot of uh, treasury bills that are maturing. Right? I'm, I'm not sure on the exact figure, but I'm, it's, it's, it's well over a billion dollars, right? That liquidity, that money is going to be in the market again. Yeah. And that's going to affect this rate because it's going to want to find a home. Are you confident? Um, well, back to being confident and trust. Um, I just don't have any, any trust in or confidence in the monetary policy because essentially I feel like they disingenuously um, de-dollarize the economy and then informally reintroduce the Zim dollar as the RTGS dollar. So by even putting out this monetary policy, you're actually giving me another reason not to trust you. Because it feels like you've just bought back the Zim dollar disguised as what was initially um, an import, uh, an accessory for import in, um, incentives. Um, and another problem that I actually have with the monetary policy is that they talk about how they're going to get all these lines of credit to, to keep foreign currency in the, in the system so that there's money circulating. But how are we able to get lines of credit when they said in that very same monetary policy that they're still trying to find a way to clear out our legacy debts and long-term debt with the international community? So how are you going to then you know, keep up with money supply if you don't even know how you're going to pay back your debt? So it feels like you're, you're saying something, but you're contradicting yourself at the same time, which then makes me feel like they don't have a plan. Because they said they're going to use a roadmap, which hasn't even been determined. So how are we, how are we going to figure things out if they don't seem to know the way forward? I'm going to end this conversation with a lot more questions than, uh, than answers. Maybe next time we should actually get someone from the RBZ to come and you know, break it down um, and, and go head to head. Thank you both for coming on to Politics and Beyond. Um, if anything happens, when, 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 when the budget comes out, we might have you back to, to pick at fiscal policy instead of monetary policy. Thanks for having us.
Capital 263.